what was so satisfying was after the payoff was made, within an hour, his mother calls me and said, my son just came home with $500. Wow. And he said he got it from Crime Stoppers. Yeah. And I don't believe him. And I he, said, believe him. I said, number one, he helped solve an aggravated uh, unbelievable. assault. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, and then she was totally relieved that her son of course. made it honest. You heard that there. Former Crime Stoppers coordinator, Lieutenant Sam Walsh, sharing one of the many, many crimes solved and cash rewards paid out over the 40 years of Michiana Crime Stoppers. Even if the person who provided the tip is a 10-year-old and his mom had to verify how he got the reward money. It works. More of that later, but first. Welcome to Round the Bend Now and Then, a podcast that shines a light on the South Bend and Mishawaka areas past and present. Through interviews with local business owners, leaders, and community members, our listeners and I learn together about all of the great people and great things going on in our community. As we also learn about South Bend and Mishawaka's history and how intertwined our past is with our present. Like many folks my age who grew up in the Michiana area in the 1980s and 90s, I distinctly remember the Crime Stoppers commercials. I remember watching the reenactments of local crimes every week on TV and then hearing the jail door slam shut and Lieutenant Sam Walsh saying, Crime Stoppers, it works. Little did I realize that 35 to 40 years later, I'd be interviewing Lieutenant Sam Walsh in my basement studio for something called a podcast and that I'd be sharing the story behind those commercials and newspaper articles, telling us that if we knew any information that would lead to the arrest or indictment of the suspect, that we'd be assigned a code number and we wouldn't get our name asked. So on this episode, I meet with retired Lieutenant Sam Walsh, who in 1983 was tasked with launching the very first Crime Stoppers program in the Michiana area. A little background here. Crime Stoppers was started by a young detective in Albuquerque, New Mexico in 1976. He was sick and tired of chasing lead after lead, and he knew that other people in the community had information. The tipping point was the murder of a young college student that he knew information was out there. So, members of law enforcement, the media, and the local community came together to offer a cash reward to solve the crime to anyone who anonymously came forward with information that would help solve the murder. Within 72 hours, they had received calls and the murder was solved. This led to the creation of the program called Crime Stoppers, which offered a cash reward to those individuals that provided anonymous tips that led to the arrest of suspects. It took off almost immediately and since then, has spread all across the globe. 40 years ago this year, in 1983, the Crime Stoppers program was launched in Michiana. In this episode, you'll hear the story behind the beginnings of the program as I meet with retired South Bend Police Lieutenant Sam Walsh, who helped launch the program locally as its coordinator. Folks my age and older will remember Sam from all the commercials over the years. But what we saw on those TV commercials was only the tip of the iceberg. So much went into producing and presenting the crimes of the week every seven days. 
from talking to detectives to determine what crime to highlight that week to writing the script for the actors to finding the actors to volunteer for the commercials. Then you have to sift through all of the tips, investigate them, make an arrest, and finally get the reward money anonymously to the informant. Oh, I forgot to mention that the reward money had to be privately fundraised as it was not funded by tax dollars. So much went into it, but as you'll hear Sam proudly describe, it was so, so worth it. They could tell within months that it was going to be successful. In the 40 years since it was launched, the statistics for Crime Stoppers Michiana are staggering. With millions and millions of dollars in drugs or stolen property recovered and thousands of cases solved. I think that all of those involved in the Michiana area Crime Stoppers over the past 40 years can proudly hold their heads high. Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to point out that we now have a YouTube channel at Round the Bend 574. I'll try to head to some of the locations that are discussed in the episodes and take a quick video and provide some narration. I feel that this is a great visual for our listeners to try to connect what they heard on the episodes after listening to them. Again, it's YouTube at Round the Bend 574. I'll have a link in the show notes and it will also be in all of our social media. Please be sure to subscribe, smash that subscribe button. Also, please like the videos and share them. Again, YouTube at RoundTheBend574. Next, before we dive into the launch of the Crime Stoppers program, Sam gives a little background about his career in law enforcement. Thank you for coming on. And uh, um, last time we, we talked about the block, the 1200 block of West Washington. And um, I also mentioned that your you are like kind of the voice of our childhood for kids my age. Um, and, and I was born in 1978 and you, you joined Crime Stoppers in 1983. So that is what we're going to be talking about here. But before we dive into Crime Stoppers, just tell us a little bit about your, your career in law enforcement leading up to Crime Stoppers. Yeah, I, I joined the South Bend Police Department on July 16th, 1970. And uh, I was out of the Marine Corps um, two years at that time. Okay. And newly married. Uh huh. And uh, I worked uniform patrol uh, from 70 to 75. Uh, worked undercover narcotics from 75 to 77 or 78. And then uh, became a supervisor. By then it was called Special Operations okay. Section, SOS. Uh huh. And worked that and then worked homicide. And then I was selected because of my background. I'm okay. Told, I'm told that uh, uh, they selected me for the Crime Stoppers coordinator. Next, I asked Sam about some of their tactics they used prior to Crime Stoppers to gather information from community members. And as you'll hear, the biggest way to gather evidence was to cultivate an informant for information about crimes. And that is not easy. You were on another episode of The Block, 1200 Block of West Washington, and you shared several stories about the different things that you had to do to gather evidence. I mean, you had to do stakeouts in hot, old, sweaty, dusty, abandoned buildings. You had to work undercover to work with informants in order to facilitate drug buys and those types of things. But during all of those times, pre-Crime Stoppers, I mean, how heavily could you depend on the people who knew information in the neighborhood to voluntarily come forward? You know, it, you've got to be a, a, a judge of character. 
Okay. And so if you develop a CI or a confidential informant, mm-hmm. uh, you give them little things to give, to give you information on to, to verify whether it's true or not. Little tests. Yeah, and it's kind of like that you build a, a relationship with that informant. Okay. And uh, that was basically the biggest way uh, to gather intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, being able to um, identify somebody um, you know, you might have arrested somebody and during the arrest, they said, well, look, I got some information for you. Mm-hmm. And then, so then you, you start that give and take right, until you right. either say, okay, you're not going to work or, okay, I, I want to work with you. Uh-huh. And then uh, there was an informant fund. So if we mm. got into some really good cases, then money became, uh, uh the motivation. So for- that's almost somewhat a precursor ish. <laughs> I mean, with the money. It it, it absolutely is. (laughs) The use of the reward funds there was kind of a precursor to the Crime Stoppers program. Next, Sam describes how the program began in the Michiana area on May 18, 1983, 40 years ago. The only person in the world that knew about Crime Stoppers locally Uh was Captain Ed Friend. Yes. Who I, I adored, man. The guy was, uh, you know, he was uh, a cop's cop. Really? Yeah. And he, he passed on here a few years ago, but, uh, he was, uh, he was the one that was, was sent to uh, chief Dan Thompson, sent him to Rockford, Illinois, because Rockford's program was up and running. Okay. And he, he viewed that, came back and said, man, this can be a real, real winner for, um, the citizens of South Bend as well as law enforcement. And so then they looked at it. They sent me to Rockford, sent me to Waukegan, and a few other places to look at their programs. Uh-huh. I got excited. Having yeah. a background undercover work and, and narcotics and, and uh, homicide, I'm thinking, man, this is this is going to be a, a real, real asset. And and it it was, start, we started May 18th, 1983. We opened the phone lines. And 40 years later today, uh, the statistics are, are mind-boggling. You'll hear some of those statistics later in the episode, and they are truly mind-boggling and a testament to the success of the program. Next, Sam talks about some of the early issues that they had before even getting the program off of the ground. A little background here. This is not just a law enforcement program. It's a partnership between the citizens of the community, the local media, and then law enforcement. So you really need the buy-in and active participation of all three of those entities. One of the hardest parts locally that they had was getting the TV stations on board. You'll hear about that next. The the most satisfaction I got out of it was watching the three components of Crime Stoppers. Okay. Civilian board of directors, law enforcement, and media yes. working together. Okay. Talk and, to me a little bit about that. Um, one of the hardest parts of starting Crime Stoppers was getting the media on board. We had uh, we had the electronic media, both TV and, and radio. Then yes. we had the print media, South Bend Tribune, okay. and, and some weekly publications. Okay. But the big get was to get the television stations, mm-hmm. uh, 16, 22, and 28 at that time, okay. to uh, pr- produce and uh, uh, edit and put on the air right. a, re- a crime reenactment of an unsolved felony case. Uh-huh. Unsolved felony case. So um, we got a lot of pushback. And so finally, um, 
our board of directors, uh, our first board president was John Hazlitt, who was okay. a, a businessman here in town. Read his name in the paper a yeah. lot at that time. Yeah, yeah. And he was real influential. And he just said, okay, we sat down with everybody, all the media at WSBT conference room. Uh-huh. And he said, we need an answer. And this is pre, this is in your this planning is, stages? This is when we're just putting the program yes. together. Okay. And so Skip Gassensmith, who was with WSBT, he stood up, he goes, we're in. Nice. And as soon as he said we're in, uh-huh. WNDU said, well, think about it. Okay. And SJV Channel 28 over in Elkhart said, we're in. Nice. And then obviously 16 came on board. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's that was the biggest hurdle. Next, you'll hear how Sam could have taken his talents to Hollywood. But instead, he used his movie producing skills for the Michiana area and the Crime Stoppers Crime of the Week reenactments. And initially, um, I was like a, a square peg in a round hole because, you know, I'm a cop. <laughs> yes. And also, I'm, I'm, I'm writing scripts and I'm, I'm producing these, these, these spots. So, um, being able to get publicity. Back then, it was called PSA, Public Service Announcement. Yes. And it's my understanding that each... Uh, media outlet okay. had to do so many hours of public service. Ah, so that's how Crime Stoppers fit into that. That was the little hook yeah. that got them in there. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> and you were responsible for all the reenactments and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I had to find the, find the crime. Okay. And talk to the detective assigned to the crime. Okay. Get all the information. Mm-hmm. And then um, once I decided to do it, mm-hmm. I would write the script. I would I would get the actors and I tried to find actors um, and not professional actors. Of course, I, I mean anybody who anybody would, who wanted to, part, to do yeah. it, right? And everybody, I'm, young young people loved it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it was great. My my <laughs> my two sons were involved, uh, and my wife was involved. But uh, I would get the actors and closely as I could to match weight, size, height, and all that. Uh-huh. And then we would recreate it based on the information we had in the reports mm-hmm. and in talking with the detectives or the police officers involved. Then we'd go out to the actual crime scene. Okay. In some cases, we would do, uh, like one of the first cases we solved was the hit and run of two Notre Dame students mm-hmm. uh, walking on South Bend Avenue. Mm-hmm. And so we had to shut down wow. South Bend Avenue at night. Because yes. it happened early in the morning. Uh-huh. So all that had to be uh, arranged, right? And it, and at the time, it was it was it was fun, uh-huh. but it was also very hectic. My gosh, trying trying to you know it was like herding cattle or yes. her, herding cats. Uh huh. See, Sam is a John Adams High School grad, so he can pretty much do anything, even producing crime reenactments. Next, you'll hear how the very first production of a crime of the week almost imploded before it started and you had to do one a week yeah we, we did a, a crime of the week every week and i didn't start re um rebroadcasting those for probably a year okay and so if i went on vacation or if, if uh, something came up and i couldn't do it yes then we would rerun uh, yes a crime of the week that we felt um, like on a, ho- a homicide mm-hmm. or or something uh, very serious. But man, like just you know, I'm, I'm I learned very fast trying to do this an episode a week. It's not easy because you know you had to get you had to not only find the crime, you had to figure out is this feasible to even record and share with others. Then you had to write the script. Then you had to get the actors, and then you had to get the the, the news media involved. So God, that's extensive. 
Yeah, and, and the, the first the first crime, one of the first crimes of the week that we did, matter of fact, I think it was the very first crime, it was a murder on, on the near northwest side. Mm-hmm. And it was on Marion Street, and we had to block off uh, all, all the intersections uh-huh. or all the streets. And so we were trying to do this on a QT. Yeah. And WSBT was doing the first filming of the, of the crime mm-hmm. of the week. So unbeknownst to us, uh, I, a, a Channel 16 reporter oh. Oh. heard the, the, the scanner traffic, yeah. and she thinks there's a real crime going uh-huh. on. So she get, grabs her camera crew, and she comes out. <laughs> And so I'm standing there, and I'm nervous anyway because it's the first, it's the of first time I've, <laughs> I've done of anything. Of course. And so all of a sudden, I see her and a cameraman get out, and her cameraman's got his camera on his shoulder. And I'm thinking, you know what? As much as a, the difficult time we had selling the media on this, yes. the last thing I want to do is, is make one of the channels mad correct. or stations mad. So anyway, she came up to me, and she said, "What's going on?" And I, and I told her, "I said, told her what's going on." Yes. And she got really upset that she, I told her, I said, we can't, you, you can't film any correct, of this. Correct. Correct. And so she stormed off with her cameraman, uh-huh. got back in her car and left. And so I had to go to at WSBT after the shoot <sighs> and talk with Skip Gathen Smith with, with WSBT. And he was able to smooth feathers with his counterpart at WNDU. So I'm thinking, man, before, we, before we even air our first spot, you know, this, this thing is going to get in all kinds of trouble. You can imagine how nerve-wracking that must have been. You're on your very first commercial shoot. There has been tons of work just to launch the program. Now that it's launched, you've identified the crime to highlight, you've written the script, gathered the actors, you're on the scene about to film, and that happens. Next, you hear that that wasn't the only time that Sam was put under pressure during that first taping. Uh, When... When we were at that Marion Street, that first one we did, yeah. and and uh, the reporter came up to me, <laughs> and then she left. And of course, I'm rattled anyway because of, of course of, of, it's what, early. You're nervous. Yeah. What, yeah. What so I had written my script out. Uh-huh. Okay, it was supposed to be sixty, well, fifty-eight seconds because uh-huh. there's a, there's a buffer. And so I read it, and I talk fast, and so I write fast, and so. Um, Rather than go into the studio to cut the audio, uh-huh. we, we did it right there on Marion Street. Mm. And so here I am, and, and they're holding a microphone in front of me, and I'm reading this, and it goes it, it goes over 90 seconds. Uh-huh. And they said, Sam, you know, you got to cut this down to 58 seconds. On the on the spot. So I'm on I'm on a flight trying to cut on this the down. Spot. So I'm trying to think, okay, here's how we just recreated it. You know, I got to make sure that I get the heart of this. And so I was able, I finally went back to the studio mm-hmm. and we sat down with the production crew yeah. and I was, I was able to work it out, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to get, to get it down to 58 seconds. Yep. And that was, that was, you know, a learning process. It, it, when you went to uh, cadet training for, uh, uh, South Bend police department, never did you get into audio production and video oh, no. production. <laughs> and so, uh, it, and I know exactly what you mean about that writing your own narrative at first. That is, that is something that you've never had to do in your whole life. You never had to write anything like that. Same here. Then to have, to have to edit it on the fly. Oh my God. That, that's too much. And I had, I had, I still have some place on VHS tape. Uh, probably my first year of, of reenactments. And man, I'm, I'm sitting there or I'm standing there 
this, this at that time, yeah. this is Sergeant Sam Walsh, and I'm scared to death. Yeah. I mean, I was just very stoic. Uh-huh. And then I started, and instead of standing in front of the micro or the camera with a microphone in hand, I, I would walk. Oh, you know, and, and so I, natural, I, I, maybe. Yeah, I learned more, more, yeah. uh, in watching broad news broadcasts uh-huh. and things like that. So I picked up little nuances wow. and, and that, that, you know, that helped a lot, but that, the, the first probably 10, man, I was scared to death the whole time. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and especially knowing that I was going to be heard by and seen by thousands and thousands of people. Absolutely. Tens yeah. of thousands. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kids, us. I mean, we're kids. I mean, my gosh, criminals would see you. You know, I mean, wow, that's so cool. Yep. And being in front of tens of thousands of people means that a lot more is asked of you. Next, I ask Sam if there is anything else that he was responsible for. Was there anything else that you were responsible for? A lot of speeches. Ooh, and I, mean, I had a question about that. Let's talk about the speeches. Yeah, once once word got out, I mean, okay. it, it seems like whenever you're on television, mm-hmm. you're a celebrity, yeah. which which I wasn't. Right. I was a cop. Of course. And uh, so, uh, you know, your Rotary Clubs, your Alliance, all these different uh, social and clubs would call up. And so I was doing 80 speeches a year about the program. Oh. Yeah. And so not only did I work a day job, but a lot of those speeches were at night. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. And uh, I got, I talked to a lot of the schools yes. about Crime Stoppers. Uh-huh. So, um, and it was really good because it was spreading the word. Yes. And probably the, the hardest concept of the program was how can you remain anonymous? Yes. And, uh, you know, collect your reward if mm-hmm. you get, if you help solve the crime. And so I would explain that to people. Then once I explain it, they'd understand. Right, right, right. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Um. Uh, 80 speeches a year. That's one every eight times four, like four days. That's man, wow. That's a couple it was, of weeks. It was a lot. Yeah, man. That's a, that's, that's amazing. And, and to be able to open up with a new joke, uh, <laughs> when, when you, when you're talking to the same group, like maybe the second time in six months, because yes. they can't find another speaker. Uh-huh. Hey, Sammy, come over here and, and give us a speech. You, you, you try to get a new joke and new material, but there's not a whole lot of no. new material when you're talking crime stuff. And like you said, you're a law enforcement. Like, like this is, a, it's not your main, you know, you're, you're not, you didn't get into it to be a public speaker. It was on the job learning. Literally Absolutely. on baptism by fire. That's Absolutely. what I call it. Great, great analogy. <laughs> and, and another thing I've learned in my life and career is, Man, even if you have any hesitation or anything, who cares? Just dive in and do it. That's right. And now, a brief message from me to you, my listeners. Folks, I need your help in spreading the good word about Round the Bend now and then with your friends and family who you think would enjoy it. I obviously want to grow the show and increase our listeners, but I also want to be sure that we share the good things that we learn about the people that I interview and their businesses, their organizations, books, etc., To share, all you have to do is copy the show's website, paste it in a text, and hit send to a friend. Or just tell them to Google Round the Bend Now and Then, and it's right there. Tell them that we're on all of the popular podcast apps like Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and so forth. And while you're at it, tell them to download, like, or subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app that they're using. And if they're feeling especially squirrely, Tell them to leave a review on why they love Round the Bend now and then. I thank you in advance for helping to spread the good word. And now, back to our episode. 
I mentioned earlier about the Crime Stoppers program not being funded by tax dollars, and it was a partnership with law enforcement, the media, and a civilian board. Now, growing up, we always heard about being assigned a code number and we won't ask your name. I always wondered how they got the money to people. Obviously, this was all pre-internet, pre-PayPal, and all of that. Next, you'll hear how it was a true partnership, even down to the methods of how they paid the rewards to tipsters. And, and one of the biggest, um, you know, we had the three components. We had the civilian board of directors, and their job basically was to raise money because okay. no, ta- no tax dollars were used yes. to pay rewards. So uh-huh. they were uh, to promote the program like we had somebody in charge of uh, advertising, so to speak. Okay. Um, and then we, we had the fundraising arm. And then uh, once a month or sooner, if, if need be, I'd get together with them. Okay. And in a formal meeting, I'd explain to them, uh, we had an agenda, I'd explain to them what was going on. And then the best part was I would present cases for reward amounts. Oh. And so I would present the facts of the case, how the arrest took place. Uh, and once an arrest took place, uh-huh. then the, the, the caller was eligible to receive a reward. Correct. There, was, there was no conviction involved. Correct. So they had to raise the money. Okay. So I would go to the meeting and like for murders and rapes uh-huh. and, and your more serious crimes, I always would recommend a thousand dollars. That was yes. our maximum at that, that time. I think today it's like 2,500. Uh-huh. Um, but then the cool thing was the board of directors, two of them would, would be, get together. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. have them pay off the callers. So okay. the caller would call in. And say, hey, I heard that my crime was solved. Okay. And, and what they we assigned them a caller code number. Uh-huh. And um, so they'd call in and they'd say, okay, this is a, a, a caller code number one. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, you've got a reward coming of a thousand dollars, and you hear like a little gasp on the phone, like, oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so then I would ask them, okay, now uh, we're going to have to meet you in the, in the in the community to, to pay you the money. And so we need to know where you want to meet, uh-huh. what you're going to be wearing, uh-huh. if you're black, white, tall, yep. short, whatever, mode of transportation, uh-huh. and uh, then we'll we'll go from there. And so our board members got uh, they were they were afraid at first. Uh, they have, I, sh- I shouldn't say afraid; they were apprehensive. Yes, apprehensive. But I went with them uh-huh. um, at, at first. I let them get out of the car and and do their thing. And so uh, that was a part of the board that they they didn't realize they, they, they were going to do when they came on board. Uh-huh. But once once the word spread amongst them, uh-huh. they all wanted to do it. So they physically saw the informant? Absolutely, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, and then after that, for the lesser amounts, we set up uh, a drive-in window with First Source Bank. Yes. And what they would do, the callers would write their caller ID number uh-huh. on, on a, a piece of paper present it to the drive-in window and then the car would have to match and they would have to match clothing and things like that. I found an article that was written only two months after the program launched, July of 1983. They knew early on that it would be successful, but it took the solving of a particular crime to convince some of Sam's colleagues. I found an article from July 28th, 1983. A year into it, right? No. It was a, a few months. A, months in, a yeah. few months into it. It started in May, and it was titled Program Extremely Productive. Within two or three months, you guys had 13 felony crimes in the first 60 days, and it, it was quoted like that far exceeded the initial expectations. Of those 13, you had murder, 
attempted murder, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and auto theft. Two months. And those, those are all major felony crimes. One of the first crimes that we solved, l- l- let me back up. Um, Crime Stoppers was a new concept uh-huh. to South Bend Police Department. Uh-huh. And a lot of guys and, and a few of the women uh, didn't have a whole lot of confidence in Crime mm-hmm. Stoppers. They looked at me being on television, you know, of and course. I'd get, I'd, I'd walk through the halls of the Would police they tease department. you and oh, stuff? Oh, and- oh, all, all the time. <laughs> so uh, one evening, Lieutenant Ray Woodward w- was responding to a domestic uh, situation and he was shot. Mm. He, he survived. Okay, good. Um, but... We aired that crime of the week. Uh-huh. We did we did that real quick, and we aired that. And uh, within, I think, 24 hours, it was solved. Wow! So that kind of boom, yeah, that that, that gave us bones with with the rank and file yeah. of the police department. So then, and it was a matter of, of just, um, and I had to really walk a tightrope because I didn't want to seem like. Um, you know, okay, here's this guy. He's yeah. on television and radio all the time. Mm-hmm. I want, I wanted to be the regular guy that Correct. I was. So, and, and I think um, eventually, within the first probably six months, that became a solid um, yeah. concept within the police department. We continued the talk about Sam having to adjust to being on TV and how that could affect his relationships with fellow police officers. <laughs> well, there was a certain perk that he ended up receiving that um, couldn't have made the situation much better. Yeah, you, you literally had to walk a tightrope type deal. You didn't want to just, I mean, you wanted to let them know you're just still, look, I'm, I'm doing this at my core because I'm a law enforcement officer and I want to solve crimes. But at the same time, like my face is all out there in public. That's got to be tough. Yeah, and, and one of the other things that, that didn't set well with the rank and file, um, John Hazel, our board chairman, uh-huh. uh, other programs in, in, the, in the country, uh, the successful ones, uh, they were the new car dealers were donating a new car a month for the use of the Crime Stopper coordinator. Okay. So John Hazlitt got with the South Bend Mishawaka uh, car, new car dealers <laughs> and, and cut a deal where we would rotate, the dealers would rotate every month, give me a new car. So here I am driving on the back ramp of the police department in a brand new <laughs> whatever it is that Chevy Caprice <laughs> or you know a, a Dick Navarre at Navarre Cadillac Oldsmobile Cadillac. He was the first one to donate a car. So I had my picture in the paper with this new car and him giving me the keys. Oh. And yeah, you know, I'm thinking, you know, this is not going to set well. <laughs> well, tell them, hey, you hop in your car. 80 times a year at 5 p.m. And, right. and and leave your little kids at home and and you go give these speeches, buddy. That that was a benefit. That was really a nice perk. It really was. Seriously. And and I don't know. To me, perks like that, when you're spending that much extra time, hey, it's worth it. Sure. And, and those people can it's all in good love, I'm sure they were. Uh, yeah. You know. We talked earlier about the early success of the program within a few months of launching in May of 1983. Next, I read a November of 1983 Voice of the People entry from the parent of a murder victim. Here, here's one, um, and I'm going to read it. It was from a, a Voice of the People uh, from October 21st, 1983. Uh, sh- five months mm-hmm. into it. Um, my son, George E. Lampfear, was brutally murdered in his apartment in Mishawaka on the night of June 10th, 1983. His killer has now been found guilty. If it were not for the South Bend Crime Stoppers program, I'm not sure that the identity of his killer would have become known. 
Police departments need all the help that they that can be developed to do their job effectively. And while I praise the fine work of Detectives Schwartz and Kadba of the Mishawaka Police Department, I know and they know that it was the Crime Stoppers which gave them the first important lead. I have made a contribution to Crime Stoppers on behalf of my dead son, and I hope others in the South Bend area will consider it worthy of their support. Robert J. Lampfear. I had forgotten all about that case. I remember I went, to, knocked on his, the mom's door to, to interview her and, and talk to her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we, uh, when jointly we, we solved the program uh-huh. or solved the, the crime. Uh, and then when I saw that letter in Voice of People, man, I really, it touched me because uh, here was a mother that um, didn't know the circumstances mm-hmm. around the murder of her son. And we got a tip. And, you know, the, the tip basically starts the investigation mm-hmm. it's got it's the law enforcement the the detectives and and the people cops working the street that bring this thing to fruition okay. so right right and and that was that was um uh that was heartfelt with, yeah. with any case but particularly the lamb case yeah wow i mean i read that that just that and only five or six months in that truly has to you know give you the feel to your fire that this is this is working absolutely you know that that is so neat while obviously having a family member murdered is just absolutely beyond comprehension, but you could truly hear it in Sam's voice of how proud he is that this program could help give at least some closure to the families. All of this was obviously pre-internet, pre-social media, so the majority of the advertisements for the crimes of the week were in the newspaper, on the radio, and the televisions. And let me tell you, Sam's face was all over the TV in the 1980s. And when you're a kid growing up, anyone on the TV is famous. We talk about how we dealt with that next. April 15th, 1989. So that is two days shy of my 11th birthday. <laughs> Boy, don't I feel old. <laughs> a huge write-up in the Tribune. I'll have to send you, I'll, I'll send you the articles. Huge write-up. You're in there, and and uh, um, and and it it there's a there's a quote in there, and it's really the whole article is just touting how how successful it's been, and um, and you had gotten interviewed and everything, but then there was a, a part of it in there that it says the program has grown, and so has the recognition of its coordinator. Um, and you were only 43 at the time. Yeah. You're a young buck, yeah, man. Yeah. You know that that's pretty big responsibility too at that age. Hey. Um, and uh, as you said, you were recognized when doing traffic, and one kid even confused you with another famous detective, McGruff the Crime Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd get recognized out in public a lot, huh? Yeah, and that, that was one of the hardest things oh, yeah. for me to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go like into a restaurant with my family. Yeah. And people would point at me, mm-hmm. and, and so, and I'm thinking, man, if this is me, this think of these newscasters are on every day. Yes, what they have to put up with. Um, but you know, if somebody came over and wanted an autograph, you know, I was more than happy to yeah. give give it to them. Uh, and it was all, um, you know, you, you had to be the PR person. Yes. I, I was a PR person for the program. Yes, and so that was that was probably the most difficult thing yeah. was losing. Um, uh, Anonymity. Anonymity. I had such a hard time. I can't even say it. That and and people would kid me because I'd say cash reward, you know, and at the end, and so I got I got teased, but in in a friendly way. I'm sure, and and 
did, did your kids ever get annoyed or anything over the years or did they kind of roll with it? Yeah. They thought it was very cool. Okay. Uh, nice. Th- and th- both of them were involved in, 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 in crimes of the week. Yeah. One was a murder case of uh, Adam Soto, which I think is still unsolved today, who was a Washington high school student, uh, was, was murdered, uh, just west of downtown South Bend. Okay. And so my one son was involved in that. Mm. And then uh, there were some other cases that they were involved in. But man, once that crime of the week aired, they went to school. And, oh, and, they were tough, oh, yeah, the tough kids, beans, hey, man. man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, their friends would say, hey, if you ever get a chance. Yeah. And so we were able to incorporate um, you know, some of their friends into it. Next, I asked Sam if there were any more lighthearted moments. And of course, anytime you work with the public, of course there are. Man, any any funny moments, memorable moments, anything stand out in your head over the years? Yeah, uh, there there were a couple. Uh, we had one <clears throat> where the the two board members went out to make a payoff. Okay, and so they were sitting in their car waiting, and there there were some buildings and houses around, and so they see a guy pop his head around the corner of this one building uh-huh. and looked like he had a nylon stocking over his oh, head. Lord. And so he, and he kept on darting back and forth. So finally, and he had the clothing on that, that they had, uh, that he'd be wearing. Yeah. And so finally, uh, he approached them and was, was very timid. Of course. And, yeah. uh, so he had, you know how you look, what your face is all distorted <laughs> yeah. with, a, with, a, all with a nyl- yeah. And so, uh, he, um, that, that was, that was funny. Yeah. Oh, I could imagine. Scary too for the board members. Yeah. And, and another thing we had an armed robbery. Uh, it was an aggravated, aggravated assault. The person was stabbed during the armed robbery mm-hmm. and the caller sounded young on the phone. Right. When I talked with the caller. Yeah. So finally the case was solved and we set up a, 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 a payoff. And so I'm asking him his description right and so he gives me a description of himself and then he says and he said then i'll be riding my bicycle with a banana seat okay like a little old school schwinn yeah yeah so, bike. so anyway the board members go out there and this kid was like 10 or 11 years old oh wow but he was in that mix where he heard this information so wow. what was what was so satisfying was after the payoff was made within an hour his mother calls me and said my son this came home with five hundred dollars Wow. And he said he got it from Crime Stoppers. Yeah. And I don't believe him. And I said, believe him. I said, number one, he helped solve an aggravated uh, Unbelievable. Assault. Yeah. So, and then she was totally relieved that her son of course. made it honestly. So, yeah. Wow. That's neat. That's, yeah. that's wild. <laughs> that's really neat. Well, one, I'm glad the mom was on his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. 10, 11 year old coming home with 500 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone involved in the Crime Stoppers program over the years should be absolutely proud of themselves for how successful the program has been. And success for programs like this are measured with data. First, Sam describes what he is proud of. Then, he shares some of that data. And it truly paints a picture of how successful Crime Stoppers has been. Even by early 1987, four years in, there was an article touting that a million dollars in loot had already been recovered. Um... And you guys had already won awards by 1987. Yeah. I mean, top ranked in the top 10. And so you knew it was effective. Um, with Even with all those rewards, man, what are just some of your most most proudest of, of, of Crime Stoppers? You know, I think uh, bringing 
the board together, the board of directors together, and law enforcement, and then um, making friendships along the way. Uh, making uh, friendships with families of maybe a murder victim, uh-huh. uh, somebody who you know, you helped along the way. And mm-hmm. I mean, there were the eight or nine years that I did it. I mean, there were there, there were just so many uh, great things. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things, I, statistics-wise, go um, early on. You mentioned success early on. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a couple of weeks, couple of months. But I picked up. Uh, I went on the uh, Cram Shepherd's website. Yeah. And as of today, wow. since May 18th, 1983, the program has uh, been involved and, and supplied tips in 8,075 arrests, wow. 13,188 cases were cleared, rewards paid $1,084,000. Think about that. That's insane. One million. I, I never in my life back no. in the day. One million and thousand dollar and five hundred dollar rewards. Yeah, and a lot of those were even a hundred dollar and two hundred dollar rewards. Uh, and and the uh, stolen property recovered seven point six million. Drug oh, seized ten point two million. Total uh, recovery of drugs and stolen and nar- narcotics and stolen property seventeen million eight hundred thousand dollars. It is beautiful. And that was you in 83, man. I mean, did you ever think 40 years later you'd have that? No. I I didn't know how long the program was going to last. Right. uh, Because in law enforcement, you know, programs come and go. Same as education, man. Yeah, exactly. Come and go. Yeah. I mean, like the D.A.R.E. program. You know, there's there's some programs that were really, really successful. Other programs that fell by the wayside. Right. I didn't want Crime Stoppers to do that. Because it was was a law enforcement tool that— was unique yes and uh was very beneficial yep. so yep. but but to see uh dave shock cindy uh-huh. and and kayla carry on and to read these stats today oh thank you for listening to another episode of round the bend now and then thank you sam walsh for sharing some of your memories behind launching the crime stoppers program in michiana for all of the reasons that you all just heard it has been an absolute smashing success And on behalf of our community, I thank you, Sam, and everyone involved for helping to keep our streets safe. Thank you once again, Sam, for joining me. As always, please be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. And most importantly, again, please share our show with others that you think would appreciate it. We have several hundred listeners to each show, and if each of you just shares it with one person, man, that would make a huge difference in getting the word out and increasing our listeners to hear all about South Bend and Mishawaka's Now and Then.